Hello and welcome to Grace Life Ministries, a disciple-making family of churches focused on the reality of Christianity. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your revelation of Jesus and increase in fruitfulness in your life. The reality of our friendship with God, because that is what Christianity is about, and that's the answer to every single one of our issues that we have this, this evening. Doesn't matter what your issues are, I know some of them, but what doesn't matter what your issue is, it's like relationship with God is the answer. We're not just called into uh, uh, um, going to church, saying some prayers, following God, trying hard and doing all this. We're called into fellowship with Him. We're called into communion with Him. We're called into relationship with Him. And that relationship isn't just a, I'm down here trying to serve someone up there. We become one with Him. We have become His habitation. He lives inside of us. And so that sets us up for victory in this life and success in so many different areas. I mean, you can be in, in, at work and get a word from God about your work. Because He speaks to us and we can hear His voice in our hearts. You know, uh, uh, sometimes, I mean, we know God wants us well and God wants to heal us. Sometimes we don't see that and what we can do. One of the things I've learned uh, uh, from a friend of mine, Greg Moore, is that when, when we don't see healing work, we pray and ask God, how am I, sp like, wh what's happening here? <laughs> it's not just like a slot machine. Put something in, get something out. It's a, it's a relationship where, God, how should I receive this from you? God, what are you saying to me about this? You know, if you get, uh, uh, um, uh, all of a sudden you have to choose between jobs or you have a, an opportunity that comes up. You're not on your own and you don't have to just make decisions by yourself because God is with you. And here's the bonus feature. He's your father. So he wants to father you through this life. But so if we ask the question, like, why did God send Jesus? You know, it wasn't just to forgive our sins. So that we could go to heaven. It wasn't just so that one day when we die we're okay and now we must just hold on and push through, <laughs> endure this life. There is an enduring in this life. Amen? There is an enduring, but even in the enduring you can be enjoying. And we should be enjoying even if there's enduring. See, the thing is, Christianity isn't just a religion. It's a new life. That's why I know if someone comes and says they, they, they've decided that they're not going to be a Christian anymore, they haven't got a clue. Or it's the devil talking. <laughs> I've had two people come to me like that. One of them, I've seen this guy's life change radically. Radically. Radically, radically, radically. Yeah, I'm talking about dead. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he came and uh, he said to me, Shane, I'm tired. I'm giving up on this Christian life. I, I can't do this anymore. And I laughed at him. <laughs> I laughed at him in his face and I said, I can hear you speaking, devil. And he said, don't do that, Shane. And I was like, I'm going to do it. It's not you talking, his name. I said, it's the devil talking. It can't be you because I've seen your life change. And then we got a demon out of it. <laughs> and he was free. Sadly, he went back and the rest of the story wasn't pleasant. But the point is is that uh, uh, you can't turn away from being a new creation. You can't be unborn right now. You can die, but you can't be unborn. When you're reborn, you can't be unreborn. The other person, 
I don't know if they were truly saved. Because they were like, I'm going back to my old religion. That doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense at all. Then you don't know what it was about and you haven't experienced it. You haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Because Christianity is a new life. The Spirit of God comes to dwell in you. The Spirit of God in you wants to transform you. And so the Christian life is seeing a transformation in your life. Seeing your life start to change. And uh, you start to show forth fruit of Jesus. That's the Christian life. Where you're no longer a selfish individual just living for yourself, but you start to become like Jesus. Now, how many of you know someone who's been a Christian longer than 10 years that isn't like Jesus? <laughs> All of us. Okay, so just because someone's been a Christian for a long period of time doesn't mean they automatically become like Jesus. Because there's a key ingredient involved which a lot of Christians don't get in, 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 engaged in. And that is renewing your mind. Starting to change your thinking so that you start to think like God because you can't have fruit like God unless you think like God. Okay? But here's the thing. A lot of Christians are also trying to change. Trying to change. If you're trying to change, I want to encourage you to stop. <laughs> because that's not Christianity. Christianity isn't you trying to fix yourself. It's you surrendering to Jesus and allowing Him to make you whole. Now you are whole, but in your soul, in your thinking, in your emotions, in your life, in your body, we just need to surrender and allow Him to transform us. So, we're not just trying to get by. We shouldn't be trying to just survive. We shouldn't just be uh, 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 trying to be nice people until you know, our end. <laughs> you know, we should be living in victory. And we sh in order for living in victory, we have to start having a different way of thinking. But the key is here, Matthew 16, your first verse there, 24 to 26. Then Jesus said, Unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever will save his life shall lose it, and whoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, what this is showing is that there's a difference between Christianity and just normal life. What the world has to offer, we can enjoy some of it, but we should never be pursuing it. Because we seek first the kingdom of God. And there will be things we can enjoy along the way, but what the world is seeking is not what we should be seeking. You know, a lot of people have very self-centered lives where their whole life revolves around them. And what should I get out of life? For the Christian, this, this verse is, is very challenging for, for us. Because what it's saying is that if we really want to be followers of Christ, but, uh, disciples, we need to actually say, not my way, but Yahweh. <laughs> Your way, Lord. Okay, we want to follow Him and we want His will in our lives. So then it's a case of, the Word says this, I'm going to say yes, Lord. I don't like that, but yes, Lord. God gives you a, 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 a clear word of what you should do and you're like, well, I don't actually have an option. See, a true Christian is someone who's died to having options. A true Christian is someone who isn't saying, what are my options? But saying, yes, Lord, whatever you want. 
And we think that it's not easy. We think that it's not nice because what if God sends me to India? We think of the most extreme things and we think God's going to tell me to do something extremely random that I don't like. And you know why we think that? Because we don't believe in the goodness of God. We don't think He's good. We think He's, you know what, we think that He's going to give us something tough to endure. Because that's what religion has taught us. We don't see Him as a good, loving Father. We see Him as someone who's trying to get us to be perfect. That's not His agenda with you. His agenda with you is He wants you to experience His love, know His love, and be fruitful from the foundation of His love. And if you are so entrenched in His love and overwhelmed by His love, you know what? You might say, Lord, I want to go to India. <laughs> Lord, do you want me to go? And then He's like, no, 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 I don't want you there. I want you somewhere else. You know, he, you, you, your worst nightmare might become your biggest dream because your heart has changed. You know? So, the, the call to Christianity is a call to deny yourself, not indulge in yourself. It's not having self-interest in, in everything we do, but seeking first the kingdom of God. Because here's the thing, like 1 Peter 2.9 says, we're called out of, the kingdom of, uh, we're out of the kingdom of darkness into His glorious light. So now we're children of light. Okay? We're not in the darkness anymore. So now we need to transform our thinking, change our thinking, change and allow our thinking to change our actions so that we can start to reflect him so that when we encounter people in life they're not shocked when they find out that you're a christian but they realize i knew there was something different about you we all know someone that we were shocked when we found out they were a christian <laughs> you know and that should never be the testimony it should be more like wow i knew there was something different about you so we got to start thinking kingdom and not thinking ourselves or thinking like the world thinks because we're called to something much bigger, much more different. And yes, you're still going to have a job in the secular market probably, working for a, 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 an unsaved boss and hanging out with unbelievers. That's awesome because that's where you should be so that you can let your light shine. I've had many people, I can't think of anyone in this room telling me this before, but I, I, I know many people over the last 12 years of Grace Life who've come to me and said, I'm trusting God for a job in a Christian company. My first thought is, how can a, a, a company be Christian? Because Jesus didn't die for, for companies, He died for people. You know, <laughs> does your company go to heaven? I don't know about that. So, so that's my first question with them because it's confusing for me. The second question I would have is, why do you want to stay in the salt shaker? Because we're called to be salt and light, and salt's no good in the salt shaker. Put it on your food. We want to add flavor to the world. You know, what good is your torch if you bring your torch and you're shining it in this room, or you're, going, uh, uh, you're hiking up Table Mountain at 12 o'clock in the middle of the day with your torch? And it's like, this little light of mine. It's like, it's useless. Light shines best in darkness. Thank God for bold Christians that go into dark places to be able to reach the unreached. Okay? And not, not all of us are, are, are maybe strong enough for that yet, but then we, we keep sitting in the Word and we keep receiving and we keep growing so that we get to the place where we're not intimidated 
by whatever's going on in the darkness because we can go in and shine. Amen? I mean, let me not go down that road. <laughs> 1 John 1 verse 1 to 4. I won't come back if I go there. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested, made apparent to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. First thing I want to say to you is that your joy will be full when you're in fellowship with the, with the Father. When you're in fellowship with His Son through the Holy Spirit. True joy and satisfaction in life comes through fellowship, not through stuff. I've ministered in very poor communities. I've ministered in very wealthy communities. And one thing that they have in common is true joy comes from Jesus, not from what they have. The most joyful church that we've got is in Solari's Pass, I would say. Not because you guys aren't happy, but I, I've been there. They're happier. <laughs> you know, they're more excited about things about the gospel and things like that, they're, or they're more demonstrative of it, even though they have much less than all of us uh, in this room individually. But the other thing I want to point out to you is it says that we might have fellowship with us, so it's with the believers, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus. So fellowship is the Greek word there, which means partnership. It implies a common identity. And it's also the Greek word for uh, communion. Now, whenever the New Testament speaks about communion, it's not speaking about a bread and a cup. Okay? When it says communion, it's speaking about relationship. You can go look it up. Bread and cup is always ever called Passover meal. That's all it's called. But communion is the relationship, the intimacy that we have with the Father and with each other. And so what this verse is saying is that Christianity is a real experience. What we've seen, what we've experienced, what we've heard, we declare unto you this communion with the Father, so that we can have communion with the Father and with each other. Christianity is not just, I've got a relationship with God. It's, a, I've got a relationship with God, I've got a fellowship with God, and I've got a fellowship with you. Because you're a, you're, you're, we're part of each other now, because we're both part of the body of Christ. Let's look at that in the, the Passion Translation. We saw him with our very own eyes. So this is a, an eyewitness account. We gazed upon him and heard him speak. Our hands actually touched him. The one who was from the beginning, the living expression of God. This life giver was made visible and we have seen him. We testify to this truth. The eternal life giver lived face to face with the Father and has now dawned upon us. So we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard about this life giver so that we may share and enjoy this life together. For truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus, the Anointed One. We are writing these things to you because we want to release to you 
our fullness of joy. So I want you to think about that word fellowship is implying a common identity. So we have a common identity with the Father and with His Son. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into, unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Fellowship of His Son means identification with His Son. Okay? Stick with me. The word the Father in, in the, the, the uh, 1 John implies the sonship of the believer. It implies family. So, there's a fam- there's, we're in a family. Okay, the word father is translated from the Greek word Abba, which implies source. I never knew that until I studied this out now. I always used to say it's just like an intimate daddy or whatever, but now it's source. God is our source, and for the, that purpose, He has called Father because He is our source. He is the, 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 the giver to us of everything. Okay, thus our fellowship is called fellowship because we identified with him in family, in intimacy, in this relationship. The believer's relationship with is that we have fellowship with the Father. Our fellowship relationship, it's the same thing. Okay, our fellowship is that we are, we're part of a new family. We've got a Father. And the fatherhood of God is revealed in Christ. Okay, so if we want to look at the Father and our relationship with Him, we have to look at Jesus. In the New Testament, uh, 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 books of the Bible, you know, we can see that God is referenced to God less and Father more. Think about it. From Matthew to Revelation. God is less spoke of as God and more spoken of as Father. Why? Because there's a revelation that is birthed through Jesus for us to enjoy. And that is that we've got a loving Heavenly Father who wants to look after us, who wants good for us. John 1 verse 18. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is... Uh, in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Now, my note is in there as well with the verse, but it says the phrase no man implies no one, nobody. That is, until Jesus, nobody at any time had seen God. Nobody at any time had seen God. Okay? At any time implies up to this point. So, this refers to the fact that. Uh, until the incarnation, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, there was no physical representation or appearance of God. Okay? People had encounters, but not like Jesus at all, ever. Okay? The phrase, hath declared, is used, uh, it implies to teach or to explain. So, and then the word bosom implies something close or part of us. We can't separate it. So, you know, the, 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 the fact that um, the Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, and if we're in the Son, it's talking about our oneness with Christ, our oneness with the Father, that we've got this relationship with Him 
you're not visiting God ever because you're always with Him. That's good news for us. So it's like when you're at work, you're, you're with God. When you're here, you're with God. When you're at home, you're with God. When you're at the, the shop, whichever shop you're going to, whether it's the liquor store or whether it's a supermarket, God's with you. Amen? It's true. <laughs> so, John 1.17 The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The first verse there, sorry, I just want to read that again. Verse 18. No man has seen God at any time. Then at verse 17, it says, The law was given by Moses. No man includes Moses. Let me read it again. Verse 18 says, No man has seen God at any time. So up until Jesus, no one had seen God. And then it says, For the law came by Moses. God ne Moses never saw God. He saw him face to face, but he didn't see the representation of him like Jesus. What I'm trying to show you is Moses was still at a deficit than you are. Your relationship with God should be better than Moses had. Because it can be. Okay? It can be. John's account in the four gospel, Gospels explains the Word, the, the Word, the Bible, the message of God as a person. Jesus. Okay? In the beginning was the Word, John 1.1. 1, 1. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's saying that God's, the revelation of God is in Christ only. Okay? So this is the unity of the Godhead even. Verse uh, 3. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is described by John as the Word of God. He is the Word that was made flesh. It says there in verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Okay? So here we see with all these verses that it's not just a religion. It's life. It's a person. It's a relationship that we can enjoy with Him. Okay? I think I put this in your notes too. But from 1 John, uh, John 1, 29, you can see that he, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 3, 16, He's the one that gives everlasting life. John 5, 26, he's the one that has life in himself. And then from those other references, John 6, 41 and John 10, 10, he came that, uh, that man may have life and be abundant in that life. And then John 14 and, and Hebrews 1, Jesus is the absolute revelation of God to us. What does that mean? If you want to know God, look at Jesus. Example, did Jesus ever put sickness on anyone? No, God never put sickness on anyone. Did Jesus run up to someone and say, Simon, cancer? No. no. Did he ever uh, refuse to heal anyone? No, God never refuses to heal anyone. Why is not everybody healed? I don't know. But one thing we can be assured of is that it's never God's will for us to be sick. Because if we look at Jesus, we see that clearly. Jesus is miraculous. He's loving. He's, he's, he's always wanting to, to change things. That's the heart of God. He calms storms. He doesn't send storms. John 14, verse 6 to 9. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been with you so long that you, you uh, have not known me, Philip? That you have, uh, he that hath seen me has seen the Father. And how is it that you're saying now, show me the Father? So here's this dilemma. Jesus is saying, Philip, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why are you asking to see the Father? We are one. Here's the challenge. Is our relationship with God so good that we can tell people, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? That, that, that's where we should grow to. Where people experience Jesus in us. How do you get there? Read your Bible. No. <laughs> Not read your Bible prayer either. You get there by relationship with Him, but the key word is deny yourself and say, Yes, Lord. I've sat in many situations where people are like, I know God says this, but you're never going to be able to say, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you say, Yes, I know God says, but. It has to be, I know God says this, and I don't like it, but yes, I'm going with it. You know, if you, if, you, if you choose to go against what God says in any situation, He still loves you, you can still have a blessed life, it can be awesome, but you'll never know what you're missing out on. You'll never experience that deep satisfaction of living in His will. Because here's the thing, I nearly spoke on this a bit tonight, but I'm not. I'll just throw a little bit of like, breadcrumbs out in this thought. God's will for your life is not a job. God's will for your life is not a place. God's will for your life is not a career. It's Him. So if you don't have that intimate relationship with Him, and you're not enjoying that fellowship with the Father, then you're not enjoying, you, you can have, like, yes, uh, God had wired you, maybe, and you've got a, the perfect place that you could work, but we can't say that's God's will for us. It's maybe His best for you with regards to your talents and your skills and your ability or whatever, but your, God's will for you is never going to be separate from His will for the world, which means that His will for you is tied up with Reaching the world. Okay? Hebrews 1 verse 1 to 3. Long ago God spoke in many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, He created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. That says, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus and you know Jesus, you know what the Father is like. That's what that's saying. And He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command when He had cleansed us from our sins. And He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. So God cannot be known outside of Jesus, period. Okay? God's will is known by looking at Jesus. John 14, verse 2. Here's another one. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. I want to ruin this verse for you quickly. 
so that you can see how close you are to God. Because most of us, if we were to have a little test before I started speaking, if I was to ask the right questions in, in, in the right way, I would get out of us as a, as a majority that God is waiting, is waiting to come back. He's somewhere, but He's not here. But then He is here, because He's living in me, but He's also somewhere. And we've got a, a, a lot of confusion in the church, because God is somewhere waiting to come back, but He's also here with me now, and it's kind of like um, confusion. And this verse helps with that confusion. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is speaking before His crucifixion and His resurrection. That's what He was talking about, the place where He's going. I go to prepare a place for you. Where is He going? It's not His ascension. He's saying, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to the tomb. And I'm going to be raised up from the dead to prepare a place for you. That's what he's talking about. Read the whole thing in context and you'll see that. He's not talking about heaven. He's, what is he talking about? In my Father's house are many mansions. We are the mansions. <laughs> it's a different uh, 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 twist in your brain there, I'm sure. So therefore, there is the revelation of the Father that is only revealed by Jesus that the believer must be familiar with. We must see ourselves as one. I'm living in the Father. In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm a mansion because I'm the dwelling place of God. So I'm in the Father and Jesus is in me and we're one. That's the fellowship, the communion, the intimacy that we share. And the more we understand that and realize that, then the more we will express that and experience that. So, God is not just the creator of the universe. He's your Father. God is not just the creator of the universe, He's your Father. In other words, the redemptive work of Jesus, the death, the burial, the resurrection, reveals God as Abba, as Father. Okay? John 20, verse 17. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but I go, but, but sorry, but go and find my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your father to my God and your God so what is he doing he's talking about family now he's talking about fellowship he's including us up until that point he spoke about his father now he's saying hey I haven't gone to our father yet I haven't gone to our God yet he's, he's, he's showing the oneness that came as a result after the resurrection okay the Creator introduced a relationship with Him that surpasses just being His creature. We can have a relationship with the Creator that surpasses the birds and the bees and the, the, the ducks and the frogs and the rhinos and the whatever. Yes, they're God's creation. You're God's creation too, to a degree, but you're not just a creation. You're a son. You're a daughter. You've got a father and you're in a family. What, that, what does that say? Now, a lot of people don't like this, and if you don't, you can tell someone after the service, <laughs> maybe Etienne. But you're more valuable than a rhino. You're more valuable than whatever animal you want to put in there. 
Some people don't like that, but it's true. God didn't, it didn't say, for God so loved the rhinos that he sent his only son. Now, we must look after the rhinos. We must look after the, the bumblebee and the whatever flea. But we mustn't, <laughs> but we mustn't elevate them above human life because it's for the people of the world that Jesus gave his life. Okay? That shows how valuable you are. The enemies uh, uh, got a plan to try and devalue human life. And we must not devalue what God has valued. I, I, was, I was thinking about this yesterday. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. It's like the price that he paid for you is huge. Is huge. So, it's like, imagine you paid, I, I have this nice, let's pretend that's a nice picture. Okay? And let's say this, <laughs> this, you might like it. If you do, then you, we can talk. But let's say that picture, like, like it, it's valued now, let's say 10,000 Rand. Okay, so now you come, Etienne comes and he's like, I, I, I want to buy that, here's the 10,000 Rand. And so I say, okay, great, I'll deliver it to your house. And before I deliver it to his house, I've taken it off the wall and I've painted over it a new picture, very badly as well, and, and it's just wrecked it. So then I, he's not getting his money's worth, right? Would you be getting your money's worth? I mean, 10000 for that, you're not getting your money's worth anyway. But, but let's, pretend, let's pretend you were getting your money's worth. Like, if I go and wreck it a bit, you're not getting your money's worth. If you paid me to make a, a three-layered chocolate cake and, and bring it to your house for a party, and I made a one-layer vanilla cake, and it was dry, would you be getting your money's worth if you paid me for that? No. God's not getting his money's worth with a lot of us. Because we're not honoring God with our lives. Because he's paid a high price for our lives. That's what surrender is about. That's what denying ourselves is about. It's our gift to Him. Here, God, you can have me. Romans 8, 14 to 16. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirits. We are the children of God. So the word fear implies in, uh, uh, timidity. And this is awesome. It's saying that we, we should have no fear because of our, the relationship we have with God. He's our Father. Every, everything in this world that we could be scared of. Think about the things you could be scared of. Okay? Not too much. But think about the things that you could be scared of and stop quickly and think about how scared they must be of God. And God lives inside of you, so those things must be scared of you. Unless you show them that you're scared. The best thing that you can do is develop a poker face when it comes to fear and not express your fear when there's things that are going wrong. Why? Because the enemy can see you. <laughs> and you, 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 you'll find it easier to overcome if you're not allowing the fear just to grab hold of you and overwhelm you. The word adoption there implies that we're placed in a position as a son. And so, 
we've got a relationship with God, we've got a father, we've got, we're in a household of God, we, we've got a family. Okay, this is what our relationship with Him is about. Galatians 6.10, King James. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith. What's that talking about? It's like before you go and help someone out there, help your brothers and your sisters in Christ. That's quite strong. Because it's like, I mean, it's the same thing with your family. Look after your family first before you can look, you look after yourself before you can look after anyone else. The church is the same. We look after our own. Okay, the Passion puts it like this. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others. This is showing us that we should always be a blessing. Okay, but first it says, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. Family first. Because Christianity is not just about you and Jesus and helping whoever out there. It's about reaching the people out there and helping the family in here. So yes, we want to help people out there. But, you know, if there's a, 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 a tsunami or something like that and a flood or whatever, what's the best way that we can help people? Look after the church that's there so that they can, and, and work with them to reach the people that are there. Because the gospel is eternal, but food perishes. And we want to use food to help people to reach them, but the church is not called to do that. Ever. The church is called to preach the gospel, make disciples, change the world like that. Okay? So, Galatians 4, 5-7. to to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has, and sons, woman, you're included there. God has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. If, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So the awesome thing with this is that we've got to start to see ourselves as we're not just serving God like servants. We're serving God like sons. Our uh, uh, identity is sonship. Our identity is sonship. But our calling is serving. I, I, I'm called. That's my vocation. This is what I'm doing. Is I'm serving God. But not because I, that's what I'm, I have to do. I was born again into a family. Now I'm part of the family business. Okay? The believer is a partaker of the nature of the Father. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 says, Jesus, the Holy One, makes us holy. That's basically saying you're a partaker in His holiness. And as sons and daughters, we now belong to this same Father, so He is not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as His brothers and sisters. Isn't that cool? Jesus isn't embarrassed of you. Jesus isn't embarrassed of you. Even if the person sitting next to you is embarrassed of you. <laughs> Jesus isn't embarrassed of you. Why? Because you're part of Him. Okay? Fellowship is partaking in the same. It's partaking with the Father. Enjoying with Him. 1 John 4, 17. 
Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. You're partaking in His nature, because as He is right now, so are you right now. A lot of Christians think, I've got, a, I've got a long way to go to get to be like Jesus. No, right now, you're like Jesus. You might not be thinking like it, but that's why you're not living like it. Because you're not thinking like it. The more you come to think like Jesus, the more you'll start to live like Jesus. Okay? 1 Corinthians 6.17, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with Him. So, what I want you to see there is that in Christ Jesus we have fellowship with the Father. He is our Father. We are His sons and daughters. We, and by the new birth we are in Him. And we have His life, His Spirit now living in us. Now because of this relationship, wherever you go, you've got access to the Father. Your last verse I want to quote is Hebrews 4.19. It says we can have boldness to approach the throne of grace. Let's read that quickly. It's not in your notes, but just look it up with me quick, because this is important. Most of us are um, trained in a separation mentality. Hebrews 7. I said, what was it? Four, thank you. <laughs> Most of us are trained and equipped in a separation mentality. Verse 16. It says, Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I've misused this verse like many of you probably do. <laughs> Still. In that we think, wow, because of Jesus, I've got boldness to come to God at any point. You know what's wrong with that? You can't come to God. Because you're one with Him. How do, you, how, how, how do, I, how do I come to Etienne? You know, I, I'm right there. How do I come to Etienne? You know, I, 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 I've married my wife. I'm one with Marna. How do I become one with her? I'm married to her. I'm one with her. How do I become white? I'm white. You can't become what you are. You can't go where you are. You are where you are. It in sit. It in sit. And it in sitting, trying to sit. Because I'm telling him to sit. You know? Sumi, stand up. Sumi, stand up. Sumi, stand up. <laughs> the point is, is that she was sitting so she could stand up. You know? You, you, you can go where you're not. But you can't go where you are because you are. So now you've got the presence of God in you and you're living with the presence of God in you 24-7. You can't enter His throne room boldly. I love that throne room song. We nearly sang it tonight. And every time we sing that one section, I always cringe a little and I get over it and I'm like, no one will know. <laughs> but there's one part of it where I'm just like, it's, it's not correct. But it's okay, I'll let it slide because I like the song. The point is, is we can't enter into the presence of God. We can't enter into the throne room because we're in. The Christian mindset is, I'm in. Now, if you have that mindset, let's read it. Therefore, come boldly. Why is it saying that? Because it's speaking to Jews who are not coming to Christ yet. And it's saying, because we have a high priest, verse 15, come boldly to the throne of grace, to get saved. <laughs> to get saved. Now, in a challenging situation or circumstance that you find yourself, 
You can, of course, come boldly and pray. You should pray boldly. But you shouldn't see yourself as, I'm entering in to the Holy of Holies. And I can boldly come, and I don't have to come like this. I must boldly come into the throne room. That's not for the Christian. You are one with Him. One with Him. Now have boldness to ask. Boldness in your relationship with Him. Talk to Him. Have boldness to talk to Him. Have boldness to converse with Him. Why? Because He's with you and you're in. Amen? You're not trying to get in. You're in. Old covenant mindset was visitation. This is why a lot of church is so messed up. Because lots of people are coming with messed up mindsets with regards to what are we expecting in worship. Because in worship, a lot of times, people have this expectation of we're going to sing a song and enter into the Holy of Holies, and then we're going to have this type of song, and then it's going to be the presence of God manifesting, and then it's going to... God was here the moment I, I put my foot in the hall. I brought Him. And when we were putting out the chairs, He was here. Because the people putting out the chairs brought Him. He, we didn't have to try and convince Him to come. The Old Testament mindset is a visitation mentality. New Testament mindset is habitation mentality. He lives in me and I abide in him forever. Which means when I'm in trouble tomorrow, if I get in trouble tomorrow, I can pray boldly because God is with me. I can talk to him. I can draw from wisdom. I don't have to fast for wisdom. I've got wisdom. I just need to unlock that wisdom because he's in me. Amen. So now, we, with all of this in mind, we should have a different perspective on the challenges we face. We should have a different perspective in waking up on a Monday morning and getting into the, the, the thick of life. Because now it's a case of, God's with me. Now, dear Lord Jesus, please go with me today. As I, you know, it's like, how does he answer that? Go with me today. I invite you to come, Jesus. It's like you didn't have to. You got saved. <laughs> now he goes with you anyway. You know, why am I making such a big deal of this? Because in our minds, we have a separation mentality and it causes a lack of fruitfulness. But if we bridge that gap and we see I'm one with him, he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. Oh, there's a verse for that. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. Then it means I can be fruitful anyway. Anyway. You know, one quick testimony on that. We were driving somewhere. This has happened twice. So now I might mix up the two stories. But both occasions, the one we're driving on our way from uh, church, the other one we're driving on our way to go and visit uh, someone. And uh, both occasions, someone's knocked over in the street in front of us. A pedestrian. The first time it was a motorcyclist. Okay. Uh, Mr. Delivery Guy got knocked off of his, his, his bike and he did a flip like that and he landed like that on the, the, um, the top. So both times that happened. And you know what I had to do? When, when, as soon as it happened, I needed to, to seek the presence of God. I needed to call down heaven and, and, and wait for manifestation. No, God didn't have to come. All I needed to do was pitch up. And the, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the first one. Straight away I went and I was praying for him, you'll live and not die and whatever, and his eyes were rolled back and it wasn't looking good and his friend came that was traveling behind him and picked him up and I was like, don't do that, that's hard, like you shouldn't do that. 
But then he sat on the side and he was out of it. He couldn't see straight. He wasn't talking straight and whatever. And I spoke over him and I prayed over him. I wasn't prayed up. I, was, I didn't pray, pray, pray uh, get ready for this, this healing moment. What did I do? I pitched up. And I was like, God, you're always here, so you always have to be on. I'm just going to flip the switch. You don't have to fast and pray to minister to someone in a tragedy. You don't have time. So what do you do? You come into the situation and you just know the reality of God is here. I prayed with him. I got him talking. I got him walking. The ambulance came. I left. Then I phoned the, his company and they said he's 100%. He left the hospital. He was fine, even though he didn't look fine. I mean, his helmet had flown off, his shoes had fallen off and everything. Just from that little, or that big accident. The point is, in moments like that, we don't have an opportunity in crisis. It doesn't have to be an accident, but if in a crisis, all of a sudden, all hell's breaking loose, you don't have time to, let me go and pray about it. God is with you. You can flip the switch and see the answer immediately. Why? Because we have this intimate relationship with Him. Amen. So Father, I want to thank you that we're in this relationship because all we need to do is get saved. Believe in our hearts that you raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouths that you are Lord. And then you come to dwell in us. You live in us for eternity. And Father, I thank you that we would continue to grow in our understanding of what that means in our relationship, our friendship with you. So we can live in overflow. So we can enjoy friendship with you. So we, we would no longer have any separation mentality, but that we would have a habitation mentality. You dwell in us forever. And this week, Father, I thank you for every single person in this room and online to have a, a, a revelation of this to the degree that when challenges come, when, when, when situations come, when, when hardships come, we would straight away know you're with us, we're not hopeless. You're with us, we've got wisdom. You're in us, we just tap into that source of encouragement, of strength, and of power to change situations, to, to overcome circumstances, and to overcome and endure. Thank you, Father, that because you're in us, we can in all circumstances give thanks and in everything rejoice in you. In the name of Jesus.